Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. Good morning. Hey, we want to let everybody know who's watching, who's tuning in via live stream, that we're going to celebrate communion together this morning. So if you want to go and get those elements ready um, a little bit later in the worship set, I uh, just want to give you a heads up on that, all right? All right, so we, uh, we joined together today to worship for several different reasons. One, it reminds us, it reminds us of who God is, and we worship God for who he is. But it also reminds us who we are in light of who God is. And that's very important as well. So who are you? Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Uh, you're the one God loves. That's who you are. Why don't we stand up for this first song? Stop. 
we're going to celebrate communion together. So everyone in the live stream, uh, I hope you're prepared. So I have a question. Why did Jesus go to the cross? <laughs> well, why did he endure such agony? Why did he endure such pain and separation from his father? For the joy of the relationship. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 2. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm the one he loves. I don't say that arrogantly or narcissistically. In a narcissistic way, you're the one that he loves. We say it because we have that assurance of his love for us. It was for the joy of restored relationship with us that he went to the cross, that he endured the torture, that he took our sin upon himself and that he was separated from the Father. What an incredible and humbling motivation for anyone to suffer and sacrifice for another because of the joy that was ex would be experienced after the joy. We are his joy. I'm not making this up. It says so right there in that scripture passage. And it's not narcissistic to believe that. In fact, it's the opposite. It is humbling. Is it not? Humbling. That the God of creation would consider it joy to be in relationship with us. That doesn't make me proud. That makes me humble. Um, we bring him joy. Let's remember that as we come forward to celebrate communion this morning. And as you eat the bread, remember that his body was broken for the joy of the relationship. As you drink the cup, remember that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and for the joy of the relationship. And give yourself permission to have joy as you come to the table. I mean, it is somber to think about the great sacrifice that he made and pain and brokenness that he went through for us, but it is, why did he do it? For the joy. And we're in that joy now, that relationship. So as you come to the table, come when you want to. We have uh, two different selections here because we're America. No. <laughs> no. You have our traditional elements and the cup and the, and the wafers. And then we have the elements to go that we, uh, you know, the combination packet where the, the, the wafer and the juice are all in one packet. If you don't want to be, you know, if you feel more comfortable not touching the other things, there are those that you can take uh, with you. Take them back to your seats as we continue to worship. Eat the wafer, remember his broken body. Drink the cup, remember his shed blood. As, as you want to, whenever you feel like you want to do that. And you spend some time, though, reflecting in the joy of the relationship, though, as we continue to worship. Right? Forgive my out-of-tune guitar with five strings. <laughs>
And every time we sing that last song, that we're drenched in love, how many of you ever been caught out in a thunderstorm? When the rain, you know, you're completely drenched. That's what I think about every time that we sing that song. That's God's love for us, that we're soaking wet. That's his love for us. We're drenched in that love. I just think that's pretty cool. Um, the ushers are going to come. I, it's so exciting to have our ushers back, and we're passing the offering buckets. So the ushers are going to pass the offering buckets, and those folks that are sitting at a couple of the tables we still have out, they're going to come to you with the offering buckets as well. I have a couple of announcements for you while the ushers are passing the offering buckets. This Wednesday evening, June 30th, I know that date well, it's my son's birthday, but the writing class is going to be starting with Jane Clark. It's going to be meeting over here in the fellowship hall and online on Zoom. Everything is all set up. Jane is ready to go. It's not too late. You can still sign up, or if you don't, you forget to sign up, just come Wednesday night or tune in on Zoom. Check it out on the website. Also, um, can anybody tell me what two weeks from today is? Vacation. What, what was that? VBA. VBA. I heard somebody say vacation, and I'm thinking, oh, vacation Bible adventure. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be in July. It's hard to believe. Vacation Bible adventure will be starting in just two Sundays from now. And Kelly just wanted me to say to you, thank you. The sign-ups have filled up. It's amazing what God is doing in our midst. One area we still need, that's right, we can clap for that. One area that we still need help in, Chris Dye, stand up and raise your hand. Chris Dye is heading up parking. And I know, have known this man for over 30 years. I personally signed you up to help with parking, Mike. Chris is in charge. Chris, Chris is coordinating the parking. And I know this man's heart. And it's to keep our kids and all of us safe. Not our kids, not only our kids from Hosanna, but our kids that are joining us in the community. And Chris needs help in the parking lot to do that. So if you can help with the parking lot, see Chris die or see the signups out in the foyer. Also, some good news about the mission for Vacation Bible Adventure. It's going to be the Lidditz Warwick Community Chest. Yes. They need, they need food items. They already sent Kelly a list of stuff that we need. The kids are going to get to bring all that kind of stuff in. Our change for change bucket in the back, that money is going to go towards buying some of the items that they need. Because if, you, if you're not aware, our food banks, our blood banks have been really hit hard during the pandemic. We also have a blood drive this week. So if you can give blood, come do that. So, Vacation Bible Adventure. One more announcement about that before Joanne comes. is the Tuesday before VBA, Tuesday, July 6th at 6 o'clock. Kelly's going to be having a very brief VBA meeting for all the volunteers who are helping. And then right after that, I will be doing a brief mandated reporter training. Again, we do mandated reporter training to keep our kids in our Hosanna family and in our community safe. So with that, I'm going to sit down. Joanne's going to come up and bring us the message on how to pray well. Good morning. Oh my gosh, all the, everything's back almost to normal. Yay. Um, it's so good to see you all and everyone on live stream. We can't see you, but grateful that you're there. 
Uh, this is the last in our series on what it means to be living witnesses of Christ. And we are ending with what may be the most significant characteristic of all, praying well. For so many Christians, prayer is actually something we want to do, right? I, I don't know too many Christians who don't want to pray. But it is in reality something we often struggle to actually do. There are a lot of reasons that we don't pray regularly, right? Um, we say we don't have time, but really uh, there's some other underlying reasons, I think, that for some people, prayer seems silly. Because God already knows everything we're gonna tell him anyway, so what's the point? Uh, you know, why, why does God want us to ask for everything? For other people, <clears throat> prayer feels scary because they think God's angry at them because that's what they've been taught. It's hard to want to get close to pray to a God you think might smite you at any moment. Or maybe it's not that God's angry at them, maybe they're angry at God. For still others, the thought of praying brings up lots of shame because they don't feel good enough to approach a holy God because they've been taught that too. Or maybe they feel shame because they haven't done enough to deserve anything from God, so why ask? There are probably as many reasons for not praying as there are prayerless people. But at the heart of it all, maybe we don't pray as much as we'd like because we just aren't sure what prayer is or how to do it or what it's for. See, I think that's a big reason why prayer is so challenging. It's because we misunderstand its purpose. And contrary to popular opinion, listen, prayer is not primarily about changing things. It's not about changing anything that, that includes external circumstances. It's not about changing other people. It's also you know, not about changing anything that God has already empowered you to change. See, a lot of times we sit around and we're waiting for God to do something when God's already told us to do it. And we're not doing it. So prayer is not primarily about changing things. It's also not primarily about getting things. And that includes material things that you really want, really, really want but really, really don't need. See, again, this, this isn't about asking for needs. It's about all that other stuff that King's kids have a right to. It's not about primarily changing things. It's not primarily about getting things, and it's not primarily about fixing things. And that includes unnecessary things that seem broken or imperfect or insufficient or defective or otherwise unacceptable to you, including human beings. See, the goodness of prayer is often measured in how effective and efficient it is. Go Google it. Just Google prayer. How to pray. How to pray well. I did that this week. I couldn't find anything except 
books and blogs and, and all of these steps about how to make your prayer effective, how to get these things, how to fix these things, how to change these things. See, I, I read phrases like, you know, the, the prayer is good when it's effective and efficient in moving the hand of God, in activating the power of God. In other words, prayer is effective in when it gets God to do what we want done. But do you hear the assumptions that are underlying all of that idea of prayer? Assumptions that prayer is only good when it gets us what we want in the quickest way possible, most effective, most efficient. These, these assumptions that prayer only works when we can figure out how to make God do, do something he isn't doing or wouldn't do without us asking or begging or telling him to do it. What does that say about God? See, this understanding of prayer actually diminishes God. It treats him as any number of false images, but here's just a few. It treats him as this doddering old guy who can't figure out what, he, what, what needs to be done unless somebody else tells him what to do. Or as maybe a, a merciless business mogul who only gives rewards to people who earned them. A lot of times it's not even, it diminishes God from being a, even a person to being a thing, a thing to be used for our own purposes, like God's an electric outlet that produces power when you figure out how to plug into it correctly. I read that one multiple places on the internet this week. Or maybe God's just a giant vending machine in the sky. Listen, I'm not trying to make us feel bad. You, you, you know our messages. We're going someplace. But we've got to lay out you know, the things that we are often unconscious of so that we can get, become conscious of what prayer really is. We've got to understand that when we approach prayer as a way to try to figure out the most effective way to manipulate God to do stuff he wouldn't normally do on his own, or, or manipulate God to do stuff you want him to do, that is not actually praying. It's just a way that humans it's call prayer. It's just a way to get or maintain control. See, it's a way to be God. And that's not prayer, it's just dressed up idolatry. You know how you can tell if you're trying to control God in your prayers? Just notice how you react when God doesn't do what you ask or tell him to do. I felt that one. We've all been there, I've been there, I do that all the time. I mean, and then I catch myself. We're gonna do it because we're human. But it's, it's the catching ourselves and recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like I don't want to pray because I'm actually mad at God because he's not fixing my husband or he is not bringing you know, that woman into my life that I, I, I want or whatever it might be. See, the good thing is God knows all this. There's no shame in it. God knows it. 
And because God is a loving and gracious God, he does sometimes answer those kinds of prayers. Not because he agrees with the way we're approaching him, but because he really does want us to come to him. Because he wants us to experience his love and goodness for ourselves so that maybe in time we will actually want to be with him. Not only for what he can do, but because of who he is. And, you know, Jesus was God, right? In human flesh, sinless. And Jesus prayed a lot. He could perform miracles. He could fix all kinds of things, couldn't he? So that can't be what prayer is about. Because Jesus prayed all the time, and he invited us again and again to come to God, not to get things, but to come to God like trusting children, come to loving parents, who not only know what they need before they ask, but have already provided for those needs and sometimes provide even more than what's needed. Jesus said this, do you, not, do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, Know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, and that's key. Give them what's best. How much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? This is who God is. This is true, not false image. This is the God to whom we pray. So in essence, prayer is not about changing external things. It's about changing us. Prayer is not a formula to get results. It's a relationship to enjoy. Prayer is not transactional. It's transformational. And prayer is not like drudgery. Listen, prayer is like breathing. See, the good news then is is as long as you're breathing, you can be praying. You don't have to have a genius IQ. You don't have to be a monk in a monastery. You don't have to have any special spiritual gift. You don't have to assume any particular posture or go to any special place like a church building or the woods or the beach. Although, you may find some places more conducive to praying than others. That's okay, but you don't have to. See, that's a want to. That's a get to. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether you're alone or in a crowd, whether you're happy or sad, full of faith or questioning everything, God is there with you and in you, loving you, wanting what's best for you, ready to listen to you. If only you would notice that he's there. Because that's where praying well begins. It begins with paying attention. Old story, we've told it before, but it works here. You heard that story of the young fish who asked the older, wiser fish, where is this water I keep hearing about and how do I get there? Right, and the older, wiser fish said, well, water is what we're immersed in, the invisible substance that we're swimming in right now. But I can't see it. 
said the younger fish. It can't be seen with your eyes, the older, wiser fish said. It's felt by every part of you as you move in it. The younger fish stopped, noticed then what he'd never noticed before, that as he moved, he could feel a gentle touch of something against his fins and against his body, and he smiled. Praying well begins by waking up from your everyday sleepwalking through your life, or swimming, if you like that metaphor. Wake up. Notice what you haven't noticed before. Notice the details of your life. Notice what's brushing up against your fins on the outside. Notice what's happening in your thoughts, in your emotions, in your longings, in your body itself on the inside. Pay attention. And you know, praying well continues to develop as you continue growing in awareness. So it's not just, gee, I'm going to notice a few things a couple of times. No. Praying well starts that way, but it continues to develop as we continue to pay attention. As you intentionally stay alert to the more that's always happening in and around you, as you experience that you're not alone in your life, that you're always immersed in the invisible presence of God. This is what Paul was talking about to the Greek philosophers on Mars Hill. He quoted their poets and philosophers when he said, you know, all of us in him, in God's spirit, in God's presence, in him, what? We live and move and have our being moving. Growing in awareness of God's presence means being disciplined to pay attention every day. That's why it's called spiritual practice, because we need to practice. You know someone? One of the most famous prayers in Christian history, Teresa of Avila. In the 16th century, she was a nun, and she wrote a book about the 14 convents she founded. It was called the Book of Foundations. That's what... Foundations, that's what convents and monasteries were called at the time. In that book, she gave the nuns that she led some simple advice about praying in the ordinariness of everyday life in the real world. And some people might say, living in a convent is not the real world. Oh, Teresa knew something about the real world. Because for the last decades of her life, even though really all she wanted to do was stay in her room and pray. That's all she wanted to do. She begged God, because she, she wrote lots down. She begged God, just let me stay here with you and pray. I want to just be with you. No. Even though that was what she wanted, even though she was in bad health most of the time, she obeyed when her superiors told her to write about her spiritual experiences, which, listen, was very dangerous for anyone in Spain in the 16th century with the Inquisition, but especially for a woman. But she did it. And then she trusted when an angry ex-nun from her order denounced her to the Inquisitors. And though she was acquitted, the stress took its toll on her. And then there was all the traveling that she endured. She founded 14 communities 
And it, there were no cars, there were no trains, there, there, there wasn't an internet, there was everything. She traveled every mile by donkey cart on rutted roads, getting stuck in the mud. They got lost a lot because they didn't have maps. And, and she was establishing convents with no money in dilapidated old buildings that no townspeople wanted, exposed in all kinds of weather. Once she nearly got killed on a flooded bridge, taking the donkey cart over the bridge, floods, it's flooded. The rushing waters turned the cart over. Everything on the cart like swept away downstream. She's watching it all go, hanging on to part of the bridge. She's drenched. And she's hearing Jesus say to her, this is how I treat my friends. <laughs> to which she quickly responded, no wonder you have so few. <laughs> Do you hear the friendship? This is, what we're, this is why I'm using her to illustrate this. On Christmas Eve, 1577, she fell down the stairs and broke her arm. It wasn't set properly. So once it healed, the bone needed to be rebroken to correct the deformity. But listen, it didn't heal correctly the second time. It only made things worse. Teresa's arm was useless for the rest of her life. She needed help with the simplest tasks, but she just kept going. Right there in the midst of years of pain and struggle and work that she didn't want to do. She became intimately aware of God's loving presence, of Jesus' faithful friendship, and of the Spirit's grace. She practiced prayer, in other words, every moment, every moment, no matter what she was feeling, she was choosing gratitude over grumbling, and she offered everything she did wherever she was as a sacrifice of love. And she encouraged her sisters to do the same. In that book of foundations, she says, well, come now, my daughters. Don't be sad when obedience draws you to involvement in exterior matters. In other words, when you can't just stay in your room, when you can't pray like you want to. Know that if it is in the kitchen, the Lord walks among the pots and pans, helping you both interiorly and exteriorly. So what does it mean for us? It means allow all of life. Allow all of yourself, all of it to become prayer. Because that's the real point of praying, isn't it? That as living witnesses to Christ, we become living prayer. Where every aspect of our God-created selves, every attitude and choice, every behavior and action begins to reveal on the outside who we are, who we are becoming, and whose we are in Christ on the inside. Paul said let, to the Thessalonians, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. So how do we pray well? For, by pray, paying attention, by t continuing to grow in awareness, seeing God everywhere in our lives, seeing God in what we've chosen and what we've not chosen, in our workplaces, in our families, in all of our relationships no matter what we might be doing, no matter who we might be with. And then see, in time, we're praying well by becoming prayer, right there in every ordinary moment, 
You know, like in the middle of the night when the baby won't sleep and you get up so your spouse can sleep and you talk to God about what you're, what you're feeling. You look for God in the midst of that situation as you're kind of trying to soothe and quiet your child. And you just start to talk to God. God, I'm tired. I am going to be dead for the meeting that I have in a few hours in the morning. And as you're talking in conversation and you're listening, and somewhere along the way you realize you're grateful for it all. And your heart opens. And you sense God's gratitude for your choice to offer it all as a sacrifice of love to him. See, that's where we learn to pray well, right there, as we see God walking with us among the dirty diapers. So whether you're a nun in a convent or a busy parent or a stressed executive or an exhausted truck driver or an aging retiree or an anxious person needing a job, you can experience the sweetness of God's presence by continuously practicing it. And then you'll be praying very well indeed. Another characteristic that's probably quite obvious at this point is we pray well when we deepen in, in relationship. See, not only with God, but with our brothers and sisters and our community of faith, with our neighbors, with everyone else we encounter. It's amazing now that I have a dog, I'm walking a lot, so I'm meeting lots of people that I haven't met for 10 years of sitting in my living room working. And I just decided I'm saying hi and smiling at everybody. Oh my word, you would not believe. Maybe it's just because everyone's been locked down and they're kind of hungry for... I've had to adjust a lot of my scheduling because people want to talk. Just with a smile. To connect, to, to be willing to, to relate. Because like we've seen, that's where prayer emerges and grows in the midst of everyday relationship in a continual, ongoing conversation with God that happens naturally like breathing, sometimes with words, sometimes wordlessly, sometimes peacefully, sometimes not so much, but always ready to open and overflow and include anyone else in the conversation with or without words. And the longer the conversation goes on, the more ease there is. It's just with, it's like friends who've been friends for what seems like forever. Deb, we've been friends forever. It's not just that it seems like it. (laughs) You know, people, friends, that you've done life together. You know all that can be known about each other. And you love each other, no matter what. That's what relationship with God was intended to be. And that's what prayer can be like. When you're not trying to get something from each other, but are most interested in what you can be and do together. See, prayer is the way we were created to share relationship with God as we journey through life together. Prayer is both communicating, words and actions, doing stuff together but also in communing, just simply enjoying each other's wonderful wordless presence. 
and, of course, like human relationships. Each individual's relationship with God is unique. And God loves each of us as if we were the only one, and yet somehow, how does God do this? God also loves all of us so deeply he can't choose a favorite. <laughs> that is a God that makes us want to pray. So how do we pray well? By paying attention, by growing in awareness, by becoming prayer, by deepening in relationship. And then by praying as we were each uniquely created to pray. I think this is really important. We remember a lot around here that all human beings were created for deep love relationship with their creator, right? So God has equipped everyone with built-in ways of knowing him. It's really interesting because current research, again, looking things up on the internet, current research is fascinating. I want to read, excuse me, read more because it's suggesting that we are created with three centers of knowing in, a, in every human being. Three centers of knowing. First, the head. This is a cognitive or intellectual knowing. It's what we normally mean when we say, I know this. And you know, you can listen to how people talk about things and maybe get a sense of where they're coming from, because this, these are you know, sentences that say, well, I think this, and I think that, and I think. Head knowing. Then there's heart knowing. This is knowing through the emotions, through the feeling part of, of our God-given selves. And you know you can hear people saying, what, I feel. I feel like this. And then there's the gut the gut, intuitive way of knowing. The, the body is included there. Just, and you know, it's like, I sense this. You can hear, it's interesting if you listen to people's language. And what's fascinating is the gut and the heart have a vast neural network in the body, just like the brain does. In fact, I think all of us have experienced that our gut and our heart can actually know things before our brain does, right? Have you ever had a sense that something and then later on you found out, oh, okay, yeah, now I know here what I knew here. Make sense? So all three ways of knowing God are present in every person. And even though, you know, most of us prefer one way of knowing over others, over the others. It's fine. It's part of us being human. It's also part of what the focus is of our gifts and our callings and all of that. But all three are there, and God did intend for us to be able to access the wisdom from all three centers. Why? So we can fulfill the commandment of Jesus, so we can learn to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Listen, soul is kind of like the deep down, the gut part. Mind, strength, body, all of them. All the ways of knowing are there. I think that's why, and I said think because I'm thinking it up. I think that's why God and the scriptures give us so many different ways to pray. There's a multitude of ways to pray so that we can begin learning to pray in ways that naturally flow out of who he created us to be and also out of our own preferences. So especially at first, when we're first learning how to pray, Instead of saying, this is the one way to do it, and you know, you've got to follow this, 
oh my God, talk about drudgery, um, right? How about when we first start learning to pray that it can be fun and effortless? Like, you know, when you're first getting to know somebody that you click with and you're not pre-thinking everything you're going to say and you're not following some kind of a formula, you're just enjoying sharing yourself with somebody who's doing the same with you, you know that? That's how we can begin to learn to pray. And if you get nothing else out of this message, get this. There is not one right way to pray. Again, Paul, he tells us very clearly, pray in the spirit in every situation. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. For the same reason, be alert. Use every kind of effort and make every kind of request for all of God's people. It's like, just pray. Just pray. In all ways. So if you felt like a failure at prayer, if you've given up on prayer, it may not be because you're, you've done something wrong or because you can't get it. It may be because you were given a way to pray that had nothing to do with how God created you to pray. And I hope that makes sense and is a big relief. See, we get to start learning to pray well by praying in ways that are most natural to us as we grow in knowing God, see, in that comfortable way, God's then gonna invite us to move into less familiar ways of knowing him, to other centers of knowing, to pray in ways that are allow, will allow us to experience and know God in ourselves in new ways. So for example, a head-centered person probably feels comfortable studying the scriptures. That's good for all of us because we can learn a lot about God that way. But studying the scriptures is not always the same as praying them. So a good place for a head-centered person to start praying is, yeah, right there with the scriptures. And maybe do Lexio Divina. We've done this here before, holy reading. It's a Christian way of praying from the 5th century that is a reading the text, but then a prayerful listening for the Spirit to communicate very personally through his word. And after a while, though, God may want that head-centered person to know him more deeply on an emotional level. So that person, you know what will happen? They're going to start to want to feel God. This is often where people come in spiritual direction. They'll start coming and say, you know, I know all about God. I've never felt loved by God. Yeah, it's an invitation to feel personally loved by God. So what do they need? They don't need to be doing more head prayer. They need someone who can show them some of the less familiar ways to help open the heart and heal the emotions and enlarge the capacity to feel. Make sense? Good. I'm going to say it because I know it does. Because <laughs> I thought about it. No. And I sensed it and I felt it. So I just, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm talking fast right now because I do want to use the rest of our time this morning <laughs> to stop talking about prayer and actually just do some. What I want to do is invite you to sample, if we have time, a way to pray from each of the three centers of knowing. That way, you can see what fits, what doesn't, what your preference might be. It tells you a lot about who God created you to be, maybe something about gifts and callings. 
but maybe just maybe just to experience. There is some prayer maybe that seems like breathing for you in this season of your life. At the end of the service, the ushers are going to offer you a handout on the way out. It's a two-sided piece of paper. And what I did was I, I brought together in that handout various practices of prayer. You can look them up. There's some brief descriptions. You can look, look you know, they're everywhere. Um, they're very familiar Christian ways of praying. But uh, they're listed under the three centers of knowing. So let's say you're a head person. You want to learn how to pray with your heart. Go to the heart section and read about that. Try some of that prayer. If you're like, a gut, what is that? You might want to, does it make sense? So that's going to be available on the way out. Um, but I'd just like us to try praying. Is that okay with all of you? Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to start with the head knowing center. And what's interesting is the way that we know with our heads is with our eyes wide open. We take in what we're seeing and we want to make sense and meaning out of it. And so, as I said, a great way to pray with our heads is, is Lexio Divina, is that, that holy reading. But this morning, let's try another way of Christian praying with our eyes wide open. It's called Visio Divina, holy seeing, sacred seeing. The instructions are simple. I'm just going to ask, just if you're not comfortable already, just kind of put stuff down and just get comfortable. And relaxed inside. Take a moment, like the fish in the water, just notice the invisible presence of God that you're immersed in right now. Just be as aware of God as you can be in this moment. And let's ask God together, God, please reveal something of you, something you want us to know in this prayer. And now there's going to be two images on the screen. Do you see this one? Is Jesus reaching down through the water with Peter? And the other is the shepherd holding a sheep. Just notice which one, without overthinking it, which one is drawing you. Choose the one you're most drawn to. Allow the Holy Spirit, as you're looking at the image, to draw your attention, like focus your attention on one part, just what part of that image is drawing. And then just stay focused on that. This is like the prayer of gazing. Just gaze on that. Wonder about it with God. Begin to notice any connections with your life and listen. Just listen, without any particular agenda. There might be words, there might not be, feelings, whatever, no expectations. Let's just take a few moments, see what God might want you to know.
And as you start, you know, there's a sense, maybe. So, for example, I've been looking at Jesus there, and I was very focused on the hand. And I'm just, like, with it. I'm not thinking about it, per se. I'm just with it. And all of a sudden, this realization of um, Joanne, <laughs> you got to take my hand. And then I looked over there and realized the sheep, yeah, had to be willing to stay in the shepherd's lap. So I'm now moving into prayer and just holding it there and saying, God, give me grace. Empower me to reach up and take your hand. Empower me to stay. Heal me of, of frenetic energy. Reveal my fears to me, Lord. What, why can't I, why am I restless? And what I know is, see, in this moment, it's like any conversation you have with a good friend. I put that out there. And then I'll move on. But I know I can go back and pick it up at any time. Do you have friends like that? Like you, over even the pandemic, you might not have been in contact with them very much. But when you see each other again, it's like you pick up right where you left off. That's what really, that's what this is about. Anybody else? You making any connections? A word, a phrase? Maybe not, but I'm sensing. So can you feel the spirit? Yes. Okay. Let's hold, just hold, do you know what I mean by hold it? Just hold it. Just stay where you are with whatever is you receive from this first, from the head center, knowing. Let's move into the heart center. See, the way we know with our hearts, it's sensitive and relational. Through what we're feeling, we're able to know what somebody else might need or what we might need. We get to share in God's compassion, in Christ's compassion. So let's just take a few moments, and, and we're going to try a way of praying that the heart knows well. It's called the prayer of imagination. We've done this before, where we say, Holy Spirit, Please, in these moments, as we read your word, please use our imagination to bring this story from paper to life. Let me sense, let me feel, let me see what's happening. And let me come to know you more intimately because of who I see you to be in this prayer. So for this one, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, I'm going to read from Matthew 10, familiar story. Jesus healing a blind beggar. Just, again, no expectations. Just open up to receive. And as we read, imagine you're there and feel it. Feel what you're feeling. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. 
When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. He only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw his coat aside, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Now just stay there for a moment. Let yourself, let your imagine, just imagine. And allow Jesus to talk to you. What does your heart know about the meaning of this story in your life today? You might be anyone. You might be the blind man. You might be a disciple. Let the Holy Spirit use your imagination to place you in this story so that you can receive what God wants you to know. What are you feeling? Now you might be noticing what your heart knows might be somehow connected to what your head knows. For a moment, this is an ongoing conversation. Bring what you sent, what you thought, you know, what you were given in your head knowing together with what your heart knows. See, are there connections there? Is there a theme? And I know we're doing this very quickly, but it's just to illustrate. And just notice what's the most comfortable for you. 
Just hold all that. Let's move into the gut center, this gut knowing center. In this place, we know deeply, we know intuitively, wordlessly, we know bodily. And sometimes it's, it's like what Romans 8.26 says. We, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, this down there, those longings, that. Groanings too deep for words, that's the knowing we're talking about. So the way we know in our gut and the way we know in our body is by slowing down and allowing ourselves to be aware of what's happening down there. That can be scary way down there. We know, we're not conscious. This is stuff, you know, we don't know. But God's there. There's movements of the spirit. There's wisdom of God. And that means just be there. Be open. And let yourself feel just how deep your roots in Christ go. There, okay? One of the ways that we can pray down there, it's called the welcoming prayer. There are many versions of this prayer. It's it's very simple. It's on the handout. But I just want to lead you through it. And again, you're aware, be aware of God. It's like this feeling of, can you just like sink down with God into the depths of the spirit of Christ in you? in your gut, in your body. Just sink into the safety and security of God's presence. Notice your body. Just do a scan. What are your body's sensations? Is there pain anywhere? Do you have tension? Are you anxious? Is there joy, anger? Are certain parts of your body hot or cold? Is your energy high? Are you fidgety? Or, or is it low? Do you feel kind of lethargic today? Whatever it is, just notice it. Do not judge it. Don't resist it. Don't fight it. And don't jump up and try to figure it out up here. Just let it be what it is. You noticing? Focus on whatever that one thing is. And we're going to give it to God. You're going to welcome it, even if it hurts. Just welcome it. You can follow me in this prayer. You can say it after I do. Just sit inside. I welcome all that's happening to me today. Because I know, deep inside, God's working it all together for my good, for my healing. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire to understand. And I give, now name it inside, tell God, I'm giving you my fear. I'm giving you my joy. I'm giving you this pain in my body. I'm just, I give you, name it. And I trust in your healing. I trust in your freeing love. 
trust that you've got me. And now, let go. Just on it. Let go as deeply as you can and just rest there for a moment in God's presence. Just go there. <sighs> you might want to uh, see what, I, my, what my body just did was exhale deeply. Let it go. Okay, one more thing. Now, what, you, what God gave you to know here, what God gave you to know here, and what God gave you to know here. Hold them all together. Who is God revealing himself to be to you right now? What do you know? What are you experiencing of God? Thank him for whatever it is. We can say amen for now, knowing the conversation hopefully is going to continue. I'm going to say, if you could open your eyes and say, how are you? Are you okay out there? Yeah? Was that helpful? I think we need to be taught what prayer is. All the asking, yes, all of that, it's okay. But it comes out of this way of being. Amen? I'm going to continue to be praying for each of us to become living witnesses who are becoming living prayer because this is what the world needs. I'm going to be trusting that God is going to be free to use us all in all ways, in all parts of our God-given selves, use us all as answered prayer. Somehow, in the lives of others and in our world. Amen? All right, we're going to close our service this morning with another way of praying. It's a, a prayer of blessing and protection. You can just keep your eyes open on this one instead. This is being, you're going to receive because you're going to be prayed for. This is a very ancient Christian Celtic way of praying. It's called the Chaim prayer. Chaim means circle of protection. And it's prayed physically. This is a body prayer. It's prayed physically with the body in which we're doing physical actions symbolically that are speaking of invisible spiritual realities. So I'm going to ask our prayers, if the four of you will take your places. Notice that we have four folks who volunteer to pray for you this way. They didn't know they were doing it till this morning, but oh well, okay, God's, God knew. Um, they're each holding lit candles. Again, it's some very, body prayer is often very symbolic. This is Christ, the light of the world. 
and the blessing that we would be what he called us to be. You are the light of the world. This is the great shepherd who protects his sheep. In a moment, they're going to walk around us. Let's say we'll go clockwise. They're going to walk in a circle all around the sanctuary. And if you think of that circle, they're going to be reminding us of the circle of protection that's always there in Christ. And for those of you on live stream, spiritually you're part of it. Um, this is the, 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 representing the spiritual reality of our protecting God. Psalm 91.4. Like a bird protecting its young, God will cover you with his feathers, will protect you under his great wings. His faithfulness will form a shield around you, a rock-solid wall to protect you. All right? So, folks, open up every part of you to know God and receive God's blessing. Let's pray. Circle us, Lord. Keep protection near and danger far. Circle us, Lord. Keep hope within. Keep despair out. Circle us, Lord. Keep light near and darkness far. Circle us, Lord. Keep peace within and turmoil out. Circle us, Lord. Keep love near and hatred far. Holy three in one, eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, shield us on every side. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Notice, it's different, isn't it? There's something we can sense deep down physically. That's a reality. It's the water we swim in, folks. Yeah? Amen? Go out, be living witnesses, be living prayer. Pray well. Amen?